0: a R T O F M A N. Podsurvey.com slash Art of Man. Thanks for your help. Brett McKay here, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. So, this Sunday is Father's Day, so I thought it'd be great to do a podcast dedicated to dads. And my guest today published a book where he wanted to answer the question or figure out the answer to the question, do fathers matter? His name is Paul Rayburn. He's a science writer at the AP News. And what Paul found when he started answering this question is that there isn't a lot of research out there, scientific research, about the roles fathers play in their child's development. There's a ton of research and information about the role of the mother, right, from, from conception all the way to adulthood, but there isn't that much out there about dads, and you want to figure out why that is, and then he want to, to remedy that and highlight what the research is saying, the importance that fathers play in their, their child's life. So today in the podcast, we're discussing, do fathers matter? What science is telling us about the parent we've overlooked with Paul Rayburn. So let's do this. Paul Rayburn, welcome to the show. Thank you.
1: Nice to be here.
0: So your book is called Do Fathers Matter? Um, and one thing you discovered when you're researching this book about whether fathers matter or not is that there really wasn't a lot of research out there about fatherhood. Why is that? And have things gotten well, better?
1: Yeah, the, the why is that? Good question. I mean, I don't have a scientific answer for Why Fathers Have Been Overlooked, I use that in the subtitle of the book, The Parent That Science Has Overlooked. Um, I think it's just a question of tradition. You know, we, for so long, um, the mother in most families was home all day, taking care of the kids. Father was away all day at work, at the office, or the mill, or the factory. And so it seemed clear enough that mothers had the primary role with kids. They spend all the time with the kids. They taught the kids how to tie their shoes and all those things. Maybe dads showed up a few years later to teach kids how to play baseball, but otherwise, um, most of the tricky stuff fell to moms. So if you look at that scenario and in, in lots of families you'd say, well, moms must be more important for kids. I mean, look at all the things they do. But I think that was just an accident of our economic system and the way things worked out, that fathers were away, mothers were home. And it turns out both parents are important, equally important. I wouldn't argue the father's it it more important. But the, the mere fact that, at least traditionally, they were out of the home during the day doesn't make them less
0: important. Uh, yeah, I thought it was interesting. One of the, uh, you highlight this research that you found. Uh, it's from the early part of the 20th century where, you know, an observer was watching a mother interact with a child. And then the note was, uh, mother handed baby off to father, Observation ended.
1: And the end of experiment. Right? End of experiment. about the mother, yeah. right? And then, and then, <laughs> and then the, uh, the mother hands the baby to father, and they say, "Okay, well, there's nothing interesting going to happen here. Let's, uh, you know, turn off the video recorder. We're done."
0: Yeah. So I mean, have, so have things gotten better? Though? I mean, have have the researchers started looking into the influence of fathers on children, and also the influence of children on fathers?
1: Well, uh, the answer is yes. Now, it, it's interesting the way science proceeds. You know, I think we. We all naively believe that when scientists find out interesting things, uh, we all become aware of that. And, you know, there's lots of science and medical news in the papers and online and all over the place. So we figure that when interesting things are discovered, we're probably going to hear about them. But that's not really the way it works. It turns out there are pockets, all kinds of pockets in science, where people do research and the public never really finds out about it. And that's exactly what happened with the positive research. So when I started working on the book, I wasn't sure if there was enough research on fathers to, to fill a book. For starters, I, as you know, I, as it turns out, I could have filled two or three, I think, but I didn't know that. And the reason was that there's a group of people. It's a growing group, but started off as a small group in the late 70s, early 80s, who thought fathers might be important. and started doing research, and they mostly talked to each other. They published their findings in journals that uh reporters don't read, even science reporters don't read. And so this body of research piled up It's a gold mine for me when I discovered it and knew I had something important to write about because most of this was new material, even if some of it had been discovered a while ago. So um I, I don't quite know why that happened, but I give you one funny story. Um you know one of the one of the things that people know about father's research is that fathers are more likely to engage in in horseplay, what the scientists call rough and tumble play. So fathers are more likely than moms to get down on the floor and wrestle around, and, you know, and, and be kind of rough in a good-natured way with their with their kids. This doesn't come as a surprise to us, but somebody had to discover that. Somebody had to watch fathers and watch mothers and figure that out. And that was a guy named Michael Lamb, who's in England now, that spent a lot of time in Washington. And um, it was that situation we were talking about, the, you know, babies would be studied and children would be studied with their mothers. Nobody looked at fathers, and he said, well, why don't we, you know, why don't we just try looking at fathers, see what we discover? And he discovered this notion that fathers play very differently with their kids, much more open-ended and so forth, and published a paper on it in uh, in 1977 or 78, and that was the beginning. Uh, You know, he's sort of a father of fatherhood research, if you will. And that was the beginning of uh, people starting to study fathers and say, hey, this is interesting. We didn't expect this. And others started to jump in very gradually over the 80s and 90s. And then the last decade or so, things have started to
0: boom. Okay. So I love how you start off the book, kind of like a progression here. And you start off comparing and contrasting human fathers with fathers in the animal kingdom. Um, Right what makes human fathers different from most male fathers in the animal kingdom? And why is that? Why is there a difference there? And I guess the question would be, are there any other animals where that act sort of like human fathers in a way?
1: So, so I think first I should make the case that, you know, why it's interesting to look at animals. Sure. So, so in, in many respects, we are very much like uh, other mammals you know, primates, chimpanzees, gorillas, uh, but even, you know, other kinds of uh, mammals. We, you know, a lot of scientific research is done on mice. And one of the people I to in the book said, you know, if you take a mouse's brain and, um, you know, uh, flatten it, you know, cut it, sort of dissect it and flatten it out, put it on a piece of uh, paper towel, uh, it looks exactly like a human brain if you, you know, prepared it the same way, except a lot smaller, obviously but it has all the same, you know, uh, areas and the same uh, anatomical sections. So we're very much like animals in a lot of ways, and that's why we do so much research on animals. When it comes to fathering, though, we're very different from most animals. So among mammals who are our closest uh, relatives, about 95% of mammal fathers never see their children or, or have very little to do with them. You know, they they um they do their one thing they can make their one essential contribution to the process of having <laughs> children and then disappear and so it's very unusual for mammals to uh mammalian fathers take care of their kids there are a few monkeys that do it a few other species and of course humans and uh there's one possible exception with a with this kind of obscure whale but aside from that as far as we know um, human parents spend more time with their children, <clears throat> spend more time raising their children than any other animal. So you would say that we spend, say, 18 years raising our kids to adulthood. That's, that's longer than any other species spends preparing its offspring to go out in the world and fend for themselves. So this is a big, this is a big job. And when you see what a big job it is and how unusual it is in the animal kingdom, it begins to make sense that we would have been designed and families would have been designed in a way that both fathers and mothers contribute because it's an awfully big job for one person to do alone. As as many single parents will be happy to tell you, actually. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so just the fact that human beings take such a long time to develop, that's why, uh, for the most part, fathers stick around.
1: Yeah, that's that's. That's the presumption, and you know the reason we take so long to develop is that we have these big brains, yeah. which are which are hard to which are hard to fit coming out of mom, and so so human infants are born sort of earlier in the developmental process, so that they can fit out the exit path um, with their big brains, and then so they do a lot more developing after they're born than some other animals.
0: Maybe that was too much anatomy for you, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well, so you talked about the difference between humans and animals, right? So generally fathers stick around more or stick around longer. Um, right. But then you talk about the difference between fathers, fatherhood from culture to culture amongst humans. How does father involvement differ from culture to culture?
1: Well, it's, it's, I think it's safe to say that in that in all cultures, you know, fathers have an important role to play. There, there are probably a few obscure exceptions somewhere, but it's certainly true that in you know in Western cultures and even in a lot of non-Western cultures, um, fathers play a very important roles. So one um, group that I write about in the book that was quite interesting, and and, and these are uh, people who um, probably are the best fathers in the world. They're called Aka that's a.k.a. the Akka people, and they live in Central Africa, in a uh, forest area that where it would be very difficult for us to survive and to find food, but a place that they've lived in for a long, long time, and they know how to live there. And uh, these fathers, uh, you know, in the course of a day, uh, they're, they're hunters and gatherers, and in the course of a the day, they are rarely more than an arm's reach from their children. So the wives and children go with the fathers on the hunt and they go with them to gather fruits and nuts and berries and so forth. And uh, the kids are just with them all the time. They learn, uh, you know, how how dad works, what he does for a living. I mean, think about American kids and ask them what their dad does for a living. And uh, how many of them, you know, have any good sense of what's going on? If dad's a lumberjack or... Fishermen or something, they might have a a pretty good idea what's happening. But for all the millions of us who head off to offices, um, do our kids really know what we do? You know, and and it's not easy to tell them what we do when it mostly involves typing at a computer screen and moving pieces of paper and uh, digital information around. So these kids grow up knowing exactly what their mothers and fathers do, how the family uh, works together, and the father is one of the interesting points I thought. Um, on, on evenings after a hard day gathering food, the fathers, like a lot of other fathers here and elsewhere, will gather, um, you know, to drink some palm wine and talk over the day, and just the way um, you know uh, workers here might uh, stop and have a beer after work and chat about what went on in the office during the day. Uh, except that for the Aka people, they take their kids with them, and the, the kids will be riding on their hips while they're talking over shop and business and what happened. And um, if the kids, uh, you know, I, I'm afraid I got more uh, uh, anatomy for you here, I guess. But you know, if the kids have to go to the bathroom while the fathers are holding them, that's fine. The fathers just wipe off the kids and themselves with a palm leaf and relax and enjoy themselves. So uh, these, uh, you know, the situation is. Very different from our situation here, and but I, you know I think I, I describe the Akka people and how they live in the book because I think there's a lot to be learned from that. The researcher who studied them uh, has studied them for twenty or thirty years, and he actually ultimately built himself a house over there. And he and his I think he has seven children spend a lot of time over there. He was so impressed with these people that he just wanted to live there.
0: Wow. Basically, were there any theories about why fatherhood developed in this way in this particular culture?
1: You know, I don't know if uh, if we know exactly why that happened, but um, but once it started to develop that way, it was reinforced by the I think by the benefits, which are that you know the kids uh, are prepared, um, you know, to take over, you know, the hunting and gathering chores when they become of age because they've grown up with that, they've been involved with it, and there are a lot of reasons why. Uh, that can be a good thing. You know, it's not unlike what used to happen on American farms where kids would grow up on the farm. They knew how to do all the chores on the farm. They knew what their parents did because they saw them all day. And then when they get older, they could take over the farm. Now, we we are a long, long way, uh, most of us in America, from that kind of situation today.
0: So let's talk about getting to like the nitty-gritty about the benefits that fathers have. And I thought it was interesting that you started off Talking about how a father has an influence on his child even before the child is conceived, Um, and I know people say, "Okay, yeah, of course, genetics," but it's just the health of the father, right? And you know, most of the the health
1: of the father, yeah, it's some kind of it's some kind of uh, um, strange and unexpected connection between fathers. So you you know from the book I read about. involvement of fathers during pregnancy. Now, you would think that during pregnancy uh, a father would be not... involved. I mean, what's he gonna do? You know, the action is all inside mom. Uh, He hasn't met this creature yet. The fetus is still developing. Uh, How could he possibly have any effect on the fetus? And so, here's what happens. Not only does he have an effect, he has a huge effect. So, if the father's not around during his partner's pregnancy, those kids, those infants, have nearly four times the death rate of infants whose fathers were involved with the pregnancy. Um, fathers who are depressed during the pregnancy, again, before they've met the, ch- the child, before the child has been born, fi- if fathers are depressed during pregnancy, that increases the risk their children will suffer from depression, perhaps late in life. And the other thing is, there's a strange connection with fathers' hormones. So. We know that mothers go through all kinds of hormonal changes to prepare them for pregnancy when they are pregnant, to prepare them to carry the fetus and so forth. it's true that fathers, go through all kinds of hormonal changes, too. They're, they experience a decline in testosterone. They experience a rise in a hormone called prolactin, which is associated with nursing in women. I don't know any fathers who are nursing yet, but uh, somehow they have this nursing hormone that's on the rise uh, during pregnancy. So all these things are happening. So there's a huge connection between fathers and the developing fetus before it's even developed to the point where it can be
0: born. Wedding season is coming up, and if you are preparing for the big day, I know wedding planning can be really intimidating, but finding the perfect suit shouldn't be. Indochino makes it easy to get a fully customizable suit right from your home. Don't just wear any suit on your big day. Wear a custom made-to-measure suit. A lot of fun, and then in a few weeks, you have a made-to-measure custom suit sent directly to your door. When planning your wedding, get a suit as unique as you with Indochino. Go to Indochino.com and use code MANLINESS to get 10% off any purchase of $399 or more. That's I-N-D-O-C-H-I-N-O.com, promo code MANLINESS. All right, if you have a family, then you need to get term life insurance to protect them. It's one of the smartest financial decisions you can make, and the start of the new year is the perfect time to get it done so you can focus on whatever else the year has in store for you. Fabric by Gerber Life was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high-quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a $1 million in coverage for less than a dollar a day. There's no risk to apply. They have a 30-day money-back guarantee, and you can cancel at any time. I remember when I was a new dad, I had a lot of thoughts going through my head. One of them was, how can I take care of my family when I'm gone, if something happens to me? Well, it's so one of the first things I did. I got term life insurance, one of the best decisions I made. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash manliness. That's meetfabric.com slash manliness. M-E-E-T-fabric.com slash manliness. Right now, listeners of our podcast can get an additional 15% off an annual membership at masterclass.com slash AOM. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash AOM. Masterclass.com slash AOM. Check out the masterclass on negotiation with Chris Voss. So what could fathers do during this time to, I don't know, create an environment that's most advantageous for his child and for the mother?
1: Well, in in a narrow sense, um, you know, be with the mother uh... You know, be closely involved with the mother, spend time with the mother, um, because that's what seems to produce these changes in the fathers and uh, the better outlook for the fetus and the child that's that's born. Uh, beyond that, you know, there are other good reasons to spend time with the mother because pregnancy is difficult, and um, because they want you to get up and get them a glass of water. And <laughs> there's a lot of things going on. I don't mean to trivialize it, but no. <laughs> uh, fathers can do a lot to support. Uh, mothers, uh, which is a good thing, but uh, and if they do that, then these slightly more mysterious things involving their children and their hormones uh,
0: will also take place too. So that yeah, question, one, this, this question about the statistic about infant mortality, does that even apply here in the West, or is it across culture, across that, whether you're so yeah, across socioeconomic? No, that, that, that
1: is in the West, actually. Okay. I don't know. I don't know if we know the figures. I don't know the figures for you know developing countries and so forth. Uh, but that that is in the West, even with our good medical care things. So um, you know, and, and you would see evidence of this in poor communities compared to uh, wealthier communities, or not not that you know many poor families are very close families and so forth, but in uh, families that are subject to economic disruption and so forth, that's where you may see more problems, and
0: this is one of the reasons for that. So a lot of talk is given to women's age and how that can affect the health of their child, right? So the older a woman gets before she gets, when she gets pregnant, their chances of having a child with Down syndrome increases, other health risks increase as well. Um, And there hasn't been a lot of attention paid on the age of the father, but there's, I guess there's research coming out that the age of the father can have an effect on a child's health as well. How how does that, what's what's the research saying on that?
1: Yeah, this is another very surprising uh, thing to me as I started to research the book. Um, So we know, one of the things we know about genetics, maybe the first thing we know about genetics is that as women get older, they have an increased likelihood of having a child with Down syndrome. many, many men and women know about this now, think about it, worry about it if they're getting older and they haven't had children yet. It's just become a well-known fact. What's far less known is that the children of older fathers have an increased risk of having Down syndrome. The children of older fathers have an increased risk of having schizophrenia, a very serious mental illness. Now the, the risk of schizophrenia in any child is about 1%. The risk of schizophrenia in the child of an older father is 2 or 3%. So it's still small, but it's a lot bigger than, than it is for younger fathers. And there are a whole series of obscure um, genetic anomalies and illnesses uh, that are more common in the children of older fathers and so this
0: I mean what's going on there is it uh, as the father gets older something's going I mean is there more mutations in the sperm that's going on or why are there problems from with older
1: you're, you're on the right track and it was a bit of a mystery at first um, so as you probably know you know a woman is born with all the eggs that she's going to have in her lifetime so those are sitting there waiting until she's in her 20s or 30s or whatever it might be to be used. Um, Fathers manufacture sperm fresh all the time. So, you know, we'd say, well, you know, as mothers get older, those eggs are getting older, and maybe that explains why there are more uh, risks associated with older mothers. But but sperm is being made new all the time. It, It doesn't get older as a father gets older. So what's going on? So it turns out that the problem is, in something called spermatogonia, these are the structures that manufacture sperm. So what happens is those sperm manu- uh, you know sperm factories get older as men age, and the thinking is not that not necessarily there are more well that there are you know genetic anomalies or errors that are introduced as these factories get older and you know a little less accurate, and that that results in genetic changes in the sperm that increase the risk. So you. You had half the half the half of it right. You, if I left you alone, you probably would have got
0: there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, so this raises a question. I mean, doctors often talk to women who are getting older and that are still planning to have a family to, okay, well, you need to think about the consequ- potential consequences of that. Are they doing that same sort of thing with fathers yet? No. <laughs> really well, shocking to find out that. And why is why is
1: that? <laughs> well, there here's. Uh, there are two reasons, one one understandable, one not so understandable. One, And I blasted genetic counselors in the book for not paying more attention to this. So I talked to some genetic counselors and said, well, you know, there's nothing you can do about this kid's operating There's nothing you can do about these risks. Why worry people? But you could say the same thing about mothers. There's nothing you can do a lot about those risks either, and yet we tell mothers what their risks are. Um, and, of course, one thing you can do, even you know, with, with, with some of these things, there's an increased risk. Some parents might choose to terminate the pregnancy. Now, I don't think most people would recommend that, but that is one way to eliminate some of these risks. Many others wouldn't do that for all the reasons we know about. But, um, But my feeling is that men should know about this, whether they can do anything about it or not. And certainly younger men should know about it so they can plan their lives and maybe decide to have children earlier than they might have. That, that I think, is is a scandal that men don't find out about this. The the other reason that they don't, that's a little bit easier to understand, is that men don't have occasion to see genetic counselors until their wives are already pregnant or their partners are pregnant. So we don't, you know, women will see gynecologists and they get some advice about uh, family planning or about, you know, having a family and so forth. So they have some exposure to that. Uh, men don't have that. So the genetic counselors who might be willing to um, tell men about these risks don't have any interactions with the men. On the other hand, back to the negative side of it, you know, recently I was at a at a wedding actually, and somebody I met there was a genetic counselor. And I said, "Oh, you must know the, the risks associated with older fathers." And she said, "No, no, what risks are you talking about?" So you know, there's an education problem too. So you know, I think. And I think you know, as I say, some of this is understandable. Some of this is a reflection of the fact that many people, something fathers don't contribute as much to children, even in a genetic standpoint. You know,
0: interesting. So men do have a biological clock. To an extent,
1: men have a biological clock. I, there's no question about that anymore. It's, it's not a. It's not a cocktail party joke. It's a real thing.
0: Okay, so let's move on beyond conception. Um, what role, I mean, how can, what does the research say that how the fathers affect a child during childhood? Like what can fathers do? What do they contribute to a child during childhood to help with their development?
1: So here, there, there are a, a lot of things they do. And I'll give you a couple of, for instance, I have lots of them in the book, um, but a couple to give you an idea of the kinds of things. So, um, so we talked a little bit about, play and the importance of the way fathers play with kids. turns out play is a major thing. So uh, children whose fathers play with them, read to them, go on school outings, help care for them, and so forth, all of which we might think are the normal things that a father ought to do or would want to do, those kids have fewer behavioral problems in their early school years. They're less likely to become delinquent as adolescents. They're less likely to be involved in criminal activity. So this goes for years later. This is a long-lasting thing. And um, another interesting thing with fathers and kids, just just one thing, but it's an important thing, and it represents the kinds of things that happen, is that fathers make unique contributions to language development in kids. So you might think that, I mean, in many families, mothers still spend more time with kids than fathers do. So you might think that mothers uh, have a bigger role in language development than fathers. So mothers engage in you know, what's called motherese, that that kind of language you recognize instantly. It's, oh, good morning, how did you sleep, how are you, you're so cute this morning, and et cetera, et cetera. Um, It it really should be called parentese, because lots of fathers do it, too. I've found myself doing it many times, myself and my kids. uh, And uh, I've seen lots of other fathers do it, too. But in any case, um, you might think that mothers have more influence on kids' language development because they spend more time with them. Well, not true. Some researchers at the University of North Carolina looked at mothers and fathers and kids' language ability and they found that uh, when fathers used more words with children during play, uh, the children had more advanced language skills a year later and probably better success in school even later. So what we think is happening is that uh, mothers, because they spend more time with the kids, know how to tune their language to sort of meet what the kid knows, right? Fathers who may be a little less in tune with what words a child knows or doesn't know tend to use more words simply because they don't know, uh, you know, what wouldn't be understood. And that stretches kids and pulls them along so they develop more quickly. So, you know, if you have uh, better language skills before you go to school, you're going to do better in school. It's going to be easier to learn to read, a whole series of things. Um, And this is something fathers do without knowing it. But again, it goes back to what we said before, the fathers have to spend time with the kids, have to talk with the kids, be involved with the kids, and they can give the kids an incredible gift just by doing things they probably want to do anyway.
0: Interesting. And it's sort of related to that the verbal development and besides the rough and tumble physical play, you also mentioned research showing that fathers tend to be a little more rough and tumble with their way they talk to their kids. There's a lot of joking and teasing
1: right.
0: that uh, right. it's playful. for. more,
1: more open ended. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. But it, it, that's beneficial for the, the child in the long, long run because it sort of creates, allows them to learn adaptability, resilience, et cetera.
1: That's right. In lots of ways. And, and adaptability and resilience is, is one of the key things. You know, fathers fathers are more likely than mothers to, you know, jump up from behind a couch and startle kids, and, uh, or at least this father is. I don't <laughs> I, I like uh, uh, doing that sort of thing. So, um, and, you know, it actually turns out that's not a trivial thing because that kind of play helps kids get used to unusual or unexpected social situations. So they've actually tracked kids over time and found that kids who engage in a lot of that kind of play with their fathers are more socially adept as kids and even more socially adept as adults. You know, So if you're the charming, suave, sophisticated conversationalist that I've heard about, uh, you probably have a lot to thank your father for that. <laughs> for.
0: So, so uh, the question is, are, are fathers necessary Longer. I mean, that's sort of the the question of your book. I mean, what conclusion did you come to after all the research you culled through?
1: So, so the, the, actually, an early draft of the book was it was called "Our Fathers Necessary." We changed it to "Do Fathers Matter," and the reason is that the short answer is fathers are not necessary. Okay, they're not necessary. It's the, the word that's important there. So, lots of single mothers can raise happy and healthy kids. Single single dads. Uh, can raise happy kids, uh, all kinds of combinations. There's lots of evidence showing that gay families um, raise uh, happy, healthy kids, and so fathers are not necessary. You know, I have a lot of friends who are single mothers, and I, I made sure they all understood that I didn't say they were doomed to raise horrible children because there was no father in the house. It's quite the opposite. Uh, but fathers do contribute a lot. They're not necessary, but they absolutely matter. If you uh, can follow the distinction there, they're very important and they contribute a lot.
0: So out of all the research you you did, is there one thing that fathers who are listening right now can do to have the biggest positive impact on their children?
1: You know, I would say follow your instincts, play with your kids, spend time with them, engage, not don't just spend time with them, engage with them. An important one is listen to them. If you want to play Napoli and they want to play Candyland, play Candyland. Uh, you know, engage and treat them like, you know, like the, the people that they are. They're smaller than us, but uh, and they know less, but they're pretty smart. They're as smart as us, and they're just ready, you know, to soak it all in, and fathers can uh, can supply a lot of that for them as well as mothers.
0: Fantastic. Well, Paul Rayburn, thank you so much for your time. It's been a pleasure.
1: Yeah, my pleasure, absolutely.
0: Our guest today was Paul Rayburn. He's the author of the book, Do Fathers Matter? What Science is Telling Us About the Parent We've Overlooked. You can find that on amazon.com and bookstores everywhere. Well, that wraps up another edition of the Art of Manliness podcast. For more manly tips and advice, make sure to check out the Art of Manliness website. And until next time, to all you fathers out there, happy Father's Day and stay manly.